0: Hey folks, mortgage rates have dipped to their lowest levels in recent history, and with home values up in many areas, now may be the perfect time to refinance your home. Whether you're looking to lower your monthly payments, free up cash for home improvements, or just pay off your home faster, a quick call to the one and only Stuart Wingo of Ameris Bank could save you money. If you're looking for competitive rates and exceptional service, call Stuart Wingo, 803-319-1777. That's 803 319-1777. three one nine one seven 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 You will save money just like I have so many times over the years. You can also visit him, Amerisbank.com slash Stuart Wingo. Stuart Wingo, the man with the plan for all your mortgage needs. Welcome everybody. Welcome all to another installment of JC and Morgan, your favorite college football podcast. He is JC Sherbert of 24-7 sports, TheBigSpur.com, International Movie Star. I could go on and on and on, but we only have an hour. I am Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network. And uh, I, I can juggle uh, from time to time if the if the moment is right and the objects are around. And I look forward to uh, chopping it up here for the next 60 minutes, JC. You, we don't ordinarily do these on a Friday. We have done it before. What I like about it. It's less about kind of looking in the rear view, more about what what we're looking at ahead in terms of uh, another solid slate of games. There are some major storylines that are still in flux that are very much current. Of course, number one is the LSU coaching search, not to mention you've got a Southern Cal coaching search, not to mention a Washington State coaching search, and now a Texas Tech coaching search as they fired a coach with a winning record in Lubbock uh, but that just never seemed to be a fit for the fine folks in red Raider nation. You've got what's happening right now. Uh, very much under the radar because it's not power five, but what is you are watching the disintegration of conference USA. And this used to be a really good league. Like this used to have all these teams that you've seen ascending to the American And now eventually the big 12 that, I mean, they had it rolling and I would maintain it was one of the worst run conferences for some time. And they, they had their window. Like they, they truly had their window and now they are getting vultured. Like there's no tomorrow. I don't know what's left, but skin and bones, but you know, they're making phone calls to anybody they can find to add to that league. So we'll talk some about that as well. Uh, Maybe a little playoff talk and uh, transfer talk as well. JC, how are you, sir?
1: I am doing good. Sorry, I had to unmute my mic. There, we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get you those headsets here soon. Well, I gotta get right. the headsets, and then we we <laughs> have some foot traffic in here. and I, I was probably gonna mute it anyway that time. Oh, that's but, right. Uh, we we like hearing red bark. Yeah, I've uh, I've, I've uh, you know I went back and listened to our audio. It was fine last time, but Conference USA, yeah, that's just um that's brutal for those guys because you know you you have the American raid a lot of their big market teams, which I think is a smart move on, on that league's part. And then Marshall today decides to join the Sunbelt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I think Marshall's a very interesting kind of case study in the group of five. I think, you know, they're one of those schools that when they were in FCS slash one AA, they were dominant national championship contenders, uh, a lot of tradition up there. And, um, you know, do they fit in a league that stretches from Texas to Virginia or whatever? Uh, I don't know. You know, uh, I, I think that uh, you look at the Sun Belt and, and, and it's kind of crazy because, Mike, in college football, a lot of times we kind of ignore the history of things and we sort of focus more on like the Johnny-come-lately kind of present. Uh, and, and you look and you're like, well – In the last few years, you look at the Sun Belt, and there's the rise of Louisiana under Billy Napier. Uh, You have App State, who has been a good uh, program in that conference. Coastal Carolina is a top 25 team. Troy's always been solid. Uh, Terry Bowden, I keep mentioning him with his tie. Uh, he's at Louisiana Monroe, and they're actually they've actually had a turnaround season with Rich Rodriguez calling plays. Texas Tech's a job that's probably going to come open that's good. South Alabama's got a lot of potential. So so you start looking at the Sun Belt right now, and then you kind of compare it to Conference USA, which has been a little down. I mean, UTSA is the best team in that league right now. So you know, right now. Hey, the Sunbelt's where it's at. And Marshall, I think, playing App State, playing teams like that's probably a little more of a cultural fit um, with the teams they're going to face off it. But, you know, I look at this lineup, and, and I know uh, Charlotte's going to the American, Florida Atlantic's going to the American, you know, UAB. There's still some good programs, and 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 I, I hesitate to say that, and I think uh, – and forgive me, Mike, if if I'm wrong, Southern Miss has not been invited to the Sun Belt yet, right? no, they no, they bolted. They both they bolted. They, already. They, Marshall becomes the ninth conference USA
0: school to bolt. Yeah, three so of them moved to the Sun Belt. I, and I mean, they like I said, I mean, if it, it, the vultures are picking at the bones <sighs> right now of yeah. Conference usa. and and by the way, james Madison, they're they're kind of pulling an app state. They're going to leave the FCS and they're expected to move to the Sun Belt, which would make the Sun Belt, aka the Fun Belt, a 14 team league. And you brought up a good point. I mean, some of the teams you mentioned, I, I hate to bring this stuff up because, uh, you know, I could see where somebody would say, oh, Mike, Mr. TV guy, talking about all this being surrounding TV. But I, it, really, so much of it is because, like those programs you mentioned, Uh, they they became household names because like they're getting those Friday night windows on ESPN Mm -hmm. too. They're getting those Wednesday night games on ESPN. Uh, People that are starved for football uh, will watch any football period. Uh, And, and so those schools found their way into good television contracts. Conference USA went from ESPN, Mm -hmm. then to Fox and then somebody decided, you know, it would be a good move. Let's not even re-sign with Fox. Let's put our games on CBS Sports Network, which with all due respect, there are some good people that work there. It doesn't have the same, uh, doesn't have the same amount of eyeballs. And then let's put them on the Internet. Let's put them on Facebook. Let's put them on uh, – you, like, you, it's kind of like Larry Scott at the Pac-12. Sometimes trying to be the smartest guy or gal in the room leaves you looking like the dumbest like you 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 don't need to be such an innovator that you're trying to outsmart the room. Sometimes just make the easy play. Sometimes yeah. it's okay to run the ball on third down and 1 between the tackles and get 2 yards as opposed to running a double reverse pass to the left tackle in the end zone and then it gets picked off. So I as someone who's done a lot of games in all these conferences. Again, I I've, I've done USA, I've done Sunbelt, I've done MAC, I've done I've watched the the Group Five, the conferences that are run very well, ascend, and then I've watched a couple that were not run so well, and they are they're fighting for survival right now. So yeah. I just think that's that's just an interesting. And again, it's completely under the radar because it's not going to get headlines like Oklahoma, Texas going to the SEC, right? Right. Uh, yeah, it's not going to get the headlines of the Big Twelve plucking out. UCF and Cincinnati, but those stories all go hand in hand because UCF, you know, they were just sitting there, just biding their time going from one double a to this conference and that conference and making it to the American and then hoping like hope someday the big 12 would actually take them seriously. And then the big 12 had to take them seriously. And, and now they're a power five program. They played the long game and they won. Some other programs did not and lost and some other conferences really, mismanaged their uh their affairs and the rest is history. So that's the under the radar massive <laughs> migration that's going on right now. Uh it, it it's not Big 12 like headlines, but it's still pretty interesting to me.
1: And it's also interesting too, Mike, um F-I-U-F-A-U. I'll 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 take you down to your neck of the woods. You yeah. know your 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 homestead, your, your homeland, the motherland, if you will. The, the Morgan motherland. is what they call it. <laughs> so so just like what happened with UCF and USF. Remember USF was in the big east and wouldn't let UCF in and all this yeah. other stuff, but then UCF comes back. I don't know that there's the same rivalry with FIU and FAU. I know that FIU felt at some point like they were kind of in better shape than FAU because FAU played in the stadium kind of up in Lottie or whatever and and all that. But uh the Golden Panthers have been left behind. Yep. They're there. They're now back in CUSA while FAU uh, joins the American, which is a huge step up for those guys. Huge step um, up. And kind of makes some delineation between uh, those two uh, sister schools, if you will. Mm-hmm. So C- CUSA has FIU, Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee, UTEP and La Tech left.
0: And I think they're trying to get Liberty.
1: Liberty would make sense for them, I think. Uh, maybe Army would join. I mean, I, what I would do is, you know, look, man, you, you're going to have a league that's going to sc- – this league has always been ridiculous in terms of geography, right? So, so I'm not even worried about that. I would just take these five, scoop up Liberty, Army, UMass, New Mexico State, and Yukon, and try to make it work. <laughs> I know that – That's a lot of bad football. (laughs) That's a lot of bad football. I know UMass and UConn uh, played like a rivalry game the other day. Uh Um, And UMass actually won. I mean, UConn is struggling uh, pretty badly. But, um, you know, I I think they're trying to do away with football. Maybe UConn joins just for football because they're in the Big East of basketball. Uh, But, you know, I I don't know what you do. I mean, I don't know what you do if you're them – Uh, Liberty does make some sense, you know, but again, you've got a league now that goes from Miami all if, 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 if you got UMass or Yukon, you got Miami all the way to the Northeast, all the way out to El Paso, Texas, and maybe Las Cruces, New Mexico, which is an outstanding spot. Oh, I've been there. You've been in Las Cruces. (laughs) I did a game when they played uh, Colin Kaepernick
0: in Nevada, on a Saturday night at like ten thirty on ESPN uh, two or you or something, and it's amazing how many people were watching because it was the only game on. Everything, everybody else had already checked out.
1: Hey, it's kind of crazy. But I mean, I don't know. You and you could have. I mean, you could have some travel partners. I mean, like you get UConn and UMass. That's that's one cluster. UTEP and New Mexico State are close together. That's another. I don't know what LaTeX will do. Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee are close together. I mean, I, you know. They may even have to go to the FCS ranks and see if they want to, you know, pull up an emerging (laughs) program. I don't, you know, probably the program that's ready the most to make the move would be North Dakota State. Mm. But man, when you face that's
0: an outpost, right? And and that fan base. And I mentioned App State earlier. That's what they went through. You have to look yourself in the mirror and say do you want to continue to be a national power at the level you're at? And FCS football is pretty darn cool. I mean, FCS football, remember, that playoff is nationally televised every year on ESPN. Uh, you, you, you get some games that are on in the regular season that get TV. You, uh, you, you got facilities have upgraded. Unless um, lets you feel like you're going to be really competitive. Now App State's made it work. App State's made it work. They took their lumps early on and they've made Somehow, it work. Wow, yeah. But but it is a gamble. It is a gamble. And you, you know, you go from competing for championships every year and then the goal is just, well, can we, you know, can we win our conference, which is nice, and, and get to a you know, a tier two, tier three bowl game. That's really all you you can hope for uh at that point. Unless you think, you know, you're gonna explode like a Boise State did years ago or something like that.
1: Yeah, and it's just it's just tough. I mean, look, look at the programs like Georgia Southern uh, with the great tradition they had there with Irk Russell uh, when they were winning one double a now it's called FCS national championships app state was certainly was a powerhouse in in FCS winning national titles. And then you're playing for the Camellia bowl. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, and for fans, see, see if I were a fan of one of these schools, that would be really difficult for me Um, I would appreciate the fact the games are on TV, but quite frankly, Mike, most of the games are streamed anyway, no matter if it's FCS or not, uh, in some way or the other. So you could see that. I'd I'd appreciate the extra money and facilities, but, man, oh, man, from a competitive standpoint, like, like it just breaks your heart because you're like, these guys go from, you know, celebrating a championship and holding up a trophy and winning a playoff to going to Mobile in December. Yeah. To play a MAC team.
0: I, I yeah, I I think again because the explosion and the expansion of college football on TV. See, if you're playing FBS, you're going to be on some channel somewhere every week. Yeah. And and and, and, and 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 you know, people need to understand that the rights check that those leagues get, it it's not even the same zip code. Uh, as the Power Five, so just because you're on TV doesn't make doesn't mean you're making a bunch of money. But it, it's exposure, and it, it's cool. I mean, look, there was a time you would do anything to get uh, two or three games on the tube, and now if you're playing in the FBS, that that's pretty much uh, the low bar. You're you're on TV almost every game. So I, I get the positive. Uh, I'd love to know the difference in revenue because we know that's inevitably what this always comes down to for a lot of these ADs and, and programs, like, okay, we've crunched the numbers and w- where do we make more money? By the way, you mentioned USF. So FAU, FIU, I mean, bless their hearts. that They want to call that a rivalry, but it's their they're commuter schools. They don't sit there and worry about, uh, hey, we hate their fight song. And remember that classic matchup we had the Shula Bowl in 2013 and, and when it went to double overtime? Um, but USF-UCF is legit. That, that I-4 battle. They don't they, like, yeah. They do not like each other. They have had some classic games. So now UCF gets bumped up to the Big 12, and USF is just flapping in the wind, like, what the hell are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And and this just in today, I'm looking at Brett McMurphy on Twitter. NCAA announces USF failed to monitor football program under Charlie Strong. Three years probation. And also find, plus Charlie Strong gets a one-game suspension if he returns to college. Boy, talk about a fall from grace Mm. with Charlie Strong. Um, But USF, it wasn't that long ago, under Jim Levitt, they were number two in the country in one of those polls in the middle of the year. Everybody remember that? Number two in Mm -hmm. the country. Yeah. And now they're just trying to find a a home and things are not going uh, particularly well. All right, let's talk a little coaching gossip here okay because it's not about it's not about conjecture anymore you have got some marquee jobs that we know are open and need to be filled and i'm not going to pretend to know where washington state lands uh their next head coach uh or texas tech well i I do have a feeling dykes could be in play for texas tech the son of the former head coach of the red raiders Uh, that would Almost make too much sense. But Southern Cal, LSU. I'm going to throw something at you. Right, I'm going to throw two things at you. All righty, go. All right, first one, if, if J.C. Sherbert was an established hot coach, which job would you rather have? Oh, I
1: don't make me choose.
0: Because to me, these, these may be
1: the if, – if I were just looking at it, these may be the two best jobs in the country for J.C. Sherbert, you know. No offense to Georgia or Ohio State or any of those other great jobs. I love the the atmosphere at LSU. I think it's tremendous. It's probably the best in college football. Louisiana's loaded with – My type of players. In other words, I like fast, big receivers, and I like gigantic defensive linemen that can run like running backs. Okay, that's the. You ask Jay Z Sherbert what kind of football players he like. I like those, you know. Um, And LSU's got those in abundance. It's uh, tradition. You you have a state to yourself that's talent rich. The uh, I-10 corridor from Jacksonville to Houston. You can just drive along there, Mike, and sign twenty-two football players (laughs) and be okay. Each and every year. At the same time, SC, when they're up, there aren't many better jobs in college football, or a better, or or, and and when they're up, look out Alabama, look out everybody else, because you you have not, not. Those of us down south don't think about it like this. About Los Angeles, California, Southern California, down to San Diego. Um, into the Inland Empire, that massive metropolitan area down there, being a high school football hotbed, but it is. And there are loads of players out there. And sure, there's competition, Oregon, UCLA, but SC is the big dog. Not only that, anybody comes out of Vegas – Anybody that comes out of Phoenix, with all apologies to Herm Edwards and those guys in and, and Arizona and those guys, you can get. You can recruit Texas. You can recruit the South. You can recruit nationally because it's Los Angeles and it's Hollywood. Now they did have a a little bit better story to tell when there was no pro football in LA because they essentially like where did all the celebrities go to watch football games? They go to SC. There was no pro football. I don't know if that's changed much or not, you know, with the Rams and Chargers both going out there. But, look, let's just be honest here. I mean, that, that job and the tradition and history, if you can get past the politics, you know, and, and strangely enough, it, it, it's been more dysfunctional out there than some southern schools that have political dysfunction, believe it or not, you know, with football and everything else. Then, then you can build an absolute monster uh, at Southern Cal. So I'd have a hard time choosing. Uh, it would come down to this for me. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not say money because, you know, obviously I would if I was a multimillionaire, uh, I'd probably save hundreds of thousands of dollars living in Louisiana versus California because <laughs> of state income tax. So I'm going to throw money aside. Let's say they're even. Even uh, take-home pay is Take even. Take-home pay is even. I'm going to say Southern Cal just because okay. I think that, as you, my friend, always talk about, what do, what makes a good job even better? The path, the path of, of, least of least resistance. resistance. Yep. And nothing against the Arizona schools and uh, I don't know who else The UCLA is in that division. I think uh, Colorado is in that division. Nothing against any of those other schools. But Southern Cal, I mean, even even though they've been down, their their path of ascension is right there. With LSU, okay, and look, LSU can be the best in the SEC. But you got to deal with a monster in Tuscaloosa. Still, you got to deal with Texas A and M. You got to deal with Auburn in your own division. You got to deal with Lane freaking Kiffin and the Pirate at the Mississippi's right now, and then a surprisingly good Sam Pittman at Arkansas. Okay, so you all those teams and that's Did you only, mention Auburn. Yeah, and Auburn right there and that's only right now. When Texas and Oklahoma come in the league. Right. right. That's even more. And and so so you know, in LSU fans you go 8 and 4, they're just going to be like whatever. You know, um, so so I would if I were this, if I were a coach and I were picking between the two and money was not an option, which money could end up being an issue, because uh, the, the athletic writer at LSU, Scott Woodward, does not care about writing a check at all. He will write it for a big name tomorrow, nor do and his you, fans. And you do have the state income tax situation in California. And there is some question about how much will SC really pay? But taking money out of it, I would go to SC. I just I just okay. think that, you know, and look, they don't have as good of a home field advantage, but they do have a good one. The Coliseum is <clears> a <throat> historic place. They don't have, you know, a state to themselves, but they got a gigantic area that they can get just about any player they want when they're up and when they know what they're doing and they try. So, you know, I went out there for a prospect camp when Pete Carroll was there, Mike, and he had it rolling. And it was just – Just, gosh, and this is kind of who Pete Carroll is, but just positive energy, uh, competition, uh, you know, just kind of embracing the tradition, embracing the campus, embracing L.A. Uh, To me, that just uh, – it's not something we think about for those of us in the South a lot, but if you ever go out there and you kind of just take the time to breathe it in and feel it, you would understand why that is such a great job. And, and I would have to, <clears throat> between the two, based on your theory of path of least resistance, which I've always agreed with, I would take SC.
0: You kind of sold me there. I, I was leaning toward LSU, although I was going to point out, everybody seems to be saying LSU now. Well, if I were to ask that question in 2004, let's just say, most people, if not all, would have said Southern Cal. I mean Southern Cal was rolling. Southern Cal was cool. Southern Cal was dominating an entire coast of college football. LSU was good. Um they won had, and they had won it. Won they broke title. through, you yeah, know, three. 03. But Saban is just left. left. Sabin then, just... Now, Yeah, so Saban's gone. And and you know, Les Miles wins one and probably, you know, we, we started off a podcast the other day on how this year is so chaotic. It's like 2007, part two. And we went over all the crazy things that happened in, in 07. But, yeah, I, I mean, at that point, I think the overwhelming majority of people would have said Southern Cal. Now, if you're a head coach and we'll start getting into names here in a second. What you have to ask yourself is because all these coaches are brimming with confidence, if not arrogance, whether they hide (laughs) it better than, than others. But do you really, are you arrogant enough to think that the reason why Southern Cal has fallen on such hard times is simply because they've made terrible coaching hires and you're the answer because it's kind of, it's almost similar to Texas in that regard. Like are all these guys just not good coaches or maybe there's something within Texas that's off and making that a difficult job. And the apathy that has set in for Pac-12 football in general, for Southern Cal football, that would concern me. I never have to worry about that at LSU. No. Now they're going to be all over my rear end every time I lose a game. You mentioned 8 and 4, 8 and 4'll get you fired if you do it 2 years in a row in Baton Rouge. Go <laughs> just ask me. It's a tough crowd over here. <laughs> um, but I, I, I still, I lean toward LSU, but everything you said is true and everything you said is easy to forget because we're living in 2021. And a lot of people have short memories, just how good it was rolling under Pete Carroll. Holy smoke. Southern Cal was a runaway freight train and they had Will Ferrell and Snoop dog coming to campus. And they, yeah. they had, they had nobody to fear in that conference and they had all that talent right around them and they could sell the weather and they could Southern Cal should be good again. But I, again, I would caution, I would caution James Franklin. I would caution, pick your name, Wayne Kiffin. I would caution, uh, trying to think of the other There's a lot more names I'm hearing for LSU than I am Southern Cal.
1: Yeah. There's but a lot more names. you mentioned the big one. You mentioned the big one. Um, well, we're all
0: waiting on James Franklin, who, by the way, just lost to Illinois. Like we're all waiting on the James Franklin domino to fall. Uh, and I think it's fascinating. And let me throw one other thing at you. I'm throwing a lot at you, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna let you digest all this. I'm on the morning show the other day with um, Andy Staples. We've had on this podcast as, as good a writer as there is in college football. Love Andy and we're talking about Lane Kiffin and I say, I say, Andy, you're going to think I'm crazy. And he did. I think if Lane Kiffin gets off for the job at LSU, he stays at Ole Miss. And I'll tell you why, Mm. because first off, Ole Miss isn't going to lose a a bidding war. Ole Miss has got plenty of money, but promise you they got enough boosters. that, That would step up. So again, if it's apples to apples on money, is LSU an easier job to win a national championship? Of course it is. Is LSU an easier job to get fired in three, four years? Absolutely. And Lane has gone through a lot. He coached on the mean streets of Boca Raton at FAU. Uh, he he had a slice of humble pie when he was getting barked at by Nick Saban as an offensive coordinator in Alabama, They getting fired. He got humbled when he got fired on the tarmac. He got humbled when he was in the NFL. Like he's had to rebuild his image. You still have people like Michael Wilbon, basically calling him out. You you you've reached like godly status in a short amount of time in Oxford. Those fans are going to love you every time you go seven and five or better. You're going to make a lot of money, live in a cool area, and you're set for life. So I'm in the minority on this one. I'm probably in the five percentile that says if and when LSU offers Lane Kiffin. Lane shocks the world
1: and says, you know what? I appreciate it. Y'all are great, but I'm cool where I am. I'm going to say this. I'd look out for that Miami job if it comes open. You're the second person that
0: mentioned that to me this week, and I I,
1: I don't buy it. Some sources talking about it. So I, you know, that that that's kind of some of the word in the coaching community that he feel again, path of least resistance. He like he loved his time down in South Florida. Uh feels like that's a that's a a better avenue. I mean, you know, Miami hasn't made a hire that made a ton of sense in a long time. I mean, besides Mark Rick, I thought that hire made sense, but then yeah. things happened with him. But, it's
0: just, uh, J.C., I think if if I took you down to a nice little vacation in South Florida, mm-hmm. like you said, at one of my stomping grounds, right? Yeah. And I took you to a – first, I took you to the Miami campus in Coral Gables. Yes, yeah, I've been cool. there. I've been there. I'm, I'm sure you have. And then you and I get in the old family truckster, and we drive up north, not five or ten minutes, but a nice little hall – the Hard Rock Stadium for their off-campus stadium that feels about as much as University of Miami as, I don't know, Jerry World, you you might think twice about whether or not that is the job for a hot, hot name like Lane Kiffin. I I just, I don't see it, but I know where you're coming from because a lot of people are are throwing that out there. It's out there. It is legitimately out there, and you never know. Coaches, agents can float th- these kind of things out there to judge interest, provide leverage, whatever the case may be. But if you got your choice of some primo jobs, Miami—I mean—to quote Kirk Herbstreit—like, where's the commitment to football from Miami? It, it's been lackluster for a long time. It's not just the lack of results on the field; it's it's just a lack of buzz. It's I don't know. I, I can't I can't see that right now.
1: The ACC has not worked out for them. I mean, I, I say it over and over. They've been in the league since 05. They've been to the championship game once. And they are in the weaker of the two divisions. There's no Florida State and no Clemson in their division. So, yeah, it's been a while. And you have to wonder, too, like if Miami does move on for Manny Diaz, and I think they should – you know, what What do they need to start thinking about down there? I mean, if they can get Lane Kiffin and he can come down and score a bunch of points, great. But but I almost think they need to kind of reevaluate, like, what they look for in a coach. Uh, because they're almost to the point where they're going to need to go kind of gadgety a little bit. Like, they need to go, like, crazy offense um, and that kind of thing. Because they, they just they just can't get the players that they used to in, the, in 15 years of – being mediocre will do that to you. I don't know. I did hear that about Lane Kiffin, and, of course, the Kiffin and LSU rumors happened. James Franklin gives a press conference the other day, right? <laughs> I think it's yesterday. And and I know James a little bit from Nashville when he coached at Vandy, and I worked at Nashville. And I, I like James. J- J- some people don't like James Franklin at all. I like James. I think he's a, a cool guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gives about the most honest press conference that I think – you know, most coaches in his situation could. He's like, I love Penn State. I've shown my commitment to being here for a long time. And then he goes, but there's a lot of moving parts. (laughs) I mean, it was like not a denial that, you know, he's after some of this. And I've heard LSU and SC for him from the start. I am not surprised because although I did not mention it on this podcast through several other Coaching searches that aren't maybe as high level as Penn State. I've heard James Franklin's name come up. Um, and, and I think I think this, I, I think that, you know, Penn State is, is one of the best programs in the history of college football. And, and I think that when you talk about, you know, either resources or path of least resistance or what, there are things about that job to where it's tough to break through from being like, okay, we're – New Year's Six bowl good every year, just about to. We're going to the playoff. And some years, if they'd had an expanded playoff, they would have gone. But it, there's just some things about it. I mean, you share a division with Ohio State and Michigan, who I think they're like two and three all times with wins. Um, you know, and, and, and so if you're James Franklin, you know, maybe you're getting tired of the cold. <laughs> you know, maybe you want to go to a warmer climate and, you know, see what you can do at places that have done it since, you know, it was the last time Penn State won it all, like 19. Do they share one? I think in 94 or maybe it was like – I know oh they won gosh. it in 86.
0: That's the um, uh Carrie uh, Collins team, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think they actually won it outright in 86 when they beat Miami in the Fiesta Bowl. Right. And so – and then look, he fits the M.O. Mm-hmm of uh, Scott Woodward, the AD at LSU. He fits kind of what he wants to do. But he also fits, like, uh, what's needed, I think, at SC. And you think about who is Pete Carroll, his personality, all right? And and like I said, I went out to a camp, met Pete Carroll, nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. You'd never know. He was, like, one of the greatest coaches of all time. He's like, yeah, man, like, great, you know, welcome to SC, you know, great. James has that same kind of – infectious energy about him. Um, And I think that's part of like kind of what got SC going. Cause yeah, California kids and people you got to recruit to there, they respond to that kind of stuff. Yeah, man, bro, let's just go get it, you know, and do it. Um, Any kind of enthusiasm like that, I think would be a positive for that program. Clay Helton, nothing against him, uh, nothing against Sark, nothing against Lane Kiffin. Uh, but those guys are all different personalities. And I I think those guys all failed for different reasons. I think Clay Hilton had a ceiling. Uh, I think Sark had his own problems and really wasn't that good of a coach at the time. It may not still be a good head coach. I think he's become an elite play caller, but he may not be a a great head coach when all is said and done at Texas. We may be talking about him leaving and going someplace else after a while. And then I think with Kiffin, still young, still kind of immature did a pretty good job considering he had 60 scholarships because of what happened under Carroll. I mean, he inherited a massive amount of – pro. the biggest is actually was overkill how much probation they had in terms of the limitations. And by the time he got a full deck to play with, they were mad and fired him. So, you know, I mean, they should have probably hired Coach O after he went six and two as the interim at SC. Uh, and by the way, I wouldn't be surprised whoever gets that job if they don't hire Coach O as the defensive line coach. I'm here. Immediately. Call me. I'm going back to L.A. Uh, how, how crazy is it me that and that, my dude? hummer. that dude's like two points of like two homes or, or essentially the Bayou and Los Angeles, California. <laughs> with a $17 million check coming yeah. his way. And he, he comes to Miami for a while, too. So that's, that's, that's just kind of interesting. But so, you know. To me, Franklin's there. You know, the athletic director was at Cincinnati. You have Luke Fickle out there. I think he would, he would be an interesting hire in terms of, you know, bringing some some toughness and defense to that program. But is that going to win in the Pac-12? I don't know. You know, I mean, it, it, it's just one of those things. I heard, I saw Dave Aranda's name, believe it or not, mm-hmm. pop awesome. up for that job. Absolutely. It surprises me too, Mike, uh, when you're talking about. SC that you haven't heard more about Matt Campbell and PJ Fleck. And I know Minnesota is not great this year. And I know Iowa state had great expectations and they've lost a couple of games, but that hasn't changed that those guys are two of the best in the country, in my opinion, Agreed. and and both I think would be grand slam hires uh, for the Trojans. Uh, But you know, you read these little articles and they're like losing steam and stuff like that. So it's just kind of really interesting to me. Well, let's circle back to so
0: you you disagree, right? Like like ninety five percent of the American public. If Lane gets offered LSU, you think he would take it, right?
1: I am leaning that way. It was okay. ex- actually explained to me today about a buddy of mine in coaching uh, that, like you know, they have I think seventeen senior starters at Ole Miss this year, plus mm-hmm. Mac Corral's leaving now. Old Miss fans don't get mad at me. I may be wrong about that, but you know, maybe you don't go through that. I mean, I don't know. I, I think it would kind of make Lane look a little bad if he bolted after two years. Well, I mean, I mean, you're leaving. You know? You're leaving Ole Miss after two years. After leaving
0: Tennessee after one year. Yeah, after, yeah like
1: it, one year point, with the Raiders. You know? One year
0: with the Raiders. Like at some point, you start getting a rep, and that's what yeah. that was my point. Is that part of my point? Um, I think there's a lot of things attractive about staying in Oxford. Uh, But the other point is that he's done so much to kind of rehab that image, if you will, that you you go right back down the, down that road. It's going to be open season for national media to rip you to shreds. The moment anything goes wrong. And then LSU is enough of a pressure cooker job to begin with. Keep in mind, I can't say this stat enough because I don't think I'll ever say it again. Whoever gets that job at LSU Hmm. will follow three consecutive coaches who won a national championship in their time at LSU. And not like over a span of 30 years, like none of them were there that long. They all won a national title during their stint. And you're walking into that. So you could go nine and two, nine and two, uh, well, it'd be nine and three, nine and three, ten and two, uh, eight and four. And like, and you're a failure. Like, it's not good enough. You have to understand that. And, and I guarantee Elaine Kiffin understands that. I guarantee you James Franklin gets that. Who, by the way, has hired Jimmy Sexton, Mister SEC coaching mm. agent of the stars himself. Uh, anyway, that's why I I just throw that out there. The James Franklin thing is interesting because. I can't tell if his own fan base really even loves him. They had a a really disappointing year last year. They just had a really disappointing loss to Illinois Mm. in like 2,700 overtimes. And they're an 18-and-a-half-point underdog to Ohio State this week. So what is Penn State football under James Franklin? You're not exactly going when your stock is red hot. So I don't know. He might want to bolt because the fans might start turning on him.
1: I, yeah, a Pennsylvania native. I mean, I, I thought he was – I thought sometimes guys take jobs and it just makes sense. I thought when Penn State opened, when O'Brien went to the Texans, I thought, you know, Franklin's got to be the guy. He's from there, you know, and he was, and he took it. And um, if he gets out, though, Mike, I'm going to give Penn State fans some, a, a big nugget of hope. Pull for the Carolina Panthers to lose. <laughs> because your oh, boy Matt Rule not no, at no, college no. football. I, I I'm telling you it's it's out there now. It's out Matt, there cuz they're the, struggling.
0: You see how much money he's making? He's got I, the richest owner in the NFL. He ain't leaving the NFL.
1: I'll tell you this, that, you know, he, he's always kind of, you know, cuz he sort of had Temple and then he took Baylor. I mean, he great job he's, at Baylor. He's a Penn State guy though, man. And he's, he played there. He understands the culture. Uh, I get it. He could go there, and he's a good enough coach in college. He could go there and it'd be another Joe Pa kind of deal. I mean, he could stay there for forever. So, are you going to chase the, the interim money right now from Dave, who was it, Dave Gettleman? Um, and, you know, because you may get fired because, you know, NFL well, he, jobs don't last very long, <clears throat> not for long, you know.
0: Yeah, but his, I mean, if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken, I don't want to speak out of school here. The amount of guaranteed money he has with the Panthers, like it is a sweetheart deal, mm-hmm. even by NFL standards. For a first-year NFL coach, uh, you got an owner that he's he, he not playing around. So he got his man and he said, I'm giving you one of the best contracts that has ever been given to an NFL coach which means it's one of the best contracts ever to a coach, period, at any level. I, all these rumors make sense, right? You connect two dots, and and it, it makes sense. I just don't see that. I, 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 like everything else, I could be wrong. I, I don't see that. Um, uh, but I, I do see a number of things that could unfold here. And I'll tell you this, too. Uh, this goes back to what I always talk about with every fan base looks in the mirror and they don't see the wrinkles and they don't see the bags under the eyes and they don't see the dirty pores or the, you know, they, they just, they look at their program in the mirror and they see Cinderella. There is going to be a situation with at least one of those two marquee programs where they go after a guy and that guy says, no. Oh Yeah. That that guy says no, and you're talking about two of the best jobs in America. They've been two of the best jobs in America for a long, long time. Um, But don't be surprised if there is a rejection here or there, and and that that really is going to set some things into orbit. Um, It's going to be a real. It's going to be a very interesting. um, I don't know how many more weeks this will last. I mean, you have to feel like. Come December, these things are going to be locked down. We're about to, we're embarking on November. So, you know, the, this this next month, in addition to everything going on on the field, a lot of crazy stuff off the field is going to be, is going to find uh, some resolution, which will be a lot of fun to cover.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. And I, and I misspoke. It's Tepper is the owner of the Panthers. I said Gettleman. I don't know what I was thinking.
0: Gettleman was a former uh, was GM. The GM. Yeah, I yeah. So not
1: bad on that. So.
0: Yeah, uh, that's yeah. Oh. David Tepper is a multi-billionaire that uh, bought the team and paid a uh, a lot of money for Mister Mister Rule and his services. Mm. Um, before we get to the games, any other
1: interesting stories that? caught your fancy here in the last week or so. I think we pretty much covered it. That Texas Tech job is going to be interesting because, you know, I, I hear dykes. You hear the talk about that. You also hear, you know, they, are they, will they hire Art Bryles? Is it too toxic? Would they go with Kendall Bryles? You know, that kind of thing. Um, so I, so that, that's an interesting thing. I don't think Matt Wells is a bad coach. But kind of just like Tommy Tuberville was out there, Mike. I didn't think he was a he was a fit, you know, for what they wanted to do. Um, and I'm sure they're sitting there going, "Man, we we let uh, Coach Hansom leave and go to the Cardinals, and he just lost his first daggum NFL game last Coach night, Coach Bro, with a, a five nine crazy. quarterback, you know." Yeah. So, uh, I'm sure they're sitting there going, "Man, we should have just, you know." Well, I don't it's, know. If they it's hard a to get defensive players uh, to love it. I mean, it mm-hmm. really is. And it's so job. that would, it, it is in a lot of ways. I mean, you, you need a guy that's going to score a gazillion points. That's not really going to care about defense, <laughs> you know, that, that's going to kind of go and, and in the big 12, you know, it's perfectly logical. You could win games 56, 49, but um, I do think that uh, that'll be interesting to see if Brian art browse does get a, uh, a sniff and, and I'll tell you why Art Bryles all of a sudden is intriguing me. You look at three of the top four offenses in the Southeastern Conference, the SEC, where defense is back right now, right? Mm -hmm. Ole Miss, Arkansas, Tennessee. All three of those schools are running some variation of what Art Bryles used to run at Baylor, okay, in Houston. Um, And a lot of offenses these days get a lot of talk. I mean, we've seen Sark light it up in Alabama – the Joe Brady, speaking of the Panthers thing with LSU, you know, people kind of forgot about old Art Browse because Kendall was at Florida State with that dumpster fire for a year. But you look at those offenses and what the genius of them is, they're versatile and they fit your personnel. So they can work at a Tennessee with a roster that's missing some guys, working at Arkansas, working at Ole Miss. And – to me, that's just interesting because a lot of people just think air raid, whatever, Texas high school, but it's working. And it's working in the league that plays the best defense in college football. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I wonder if you're Texas Tech and you need to start not only score points, right, but you need to score points and you need to have a guy that does more with less. In other words, you're not going to recruit a lot of athletes out there, whatever, uh, and you may not have everything every year like most programs, you need somebody adaptable. I'm curious to see if they go and and they kind of take a step back and look and see if they don't want to hire Art Browse himself because of the you know the situations or whatever. Will they go with a member of that tree? Uh, or will they go with someone they're familiar with, with, with Sonny Dykes, who's also done an outstanding job at SMU? And if he leaves, does that mean Lincoln Riley's brother, Garrett, who's the OC at SMU, gets the SMU job? So it's kind of a – all kind of interesting uh, offensive mind movement, I guess, when it comes to the Texas Tech job uh, in terms of the direction they go. It's
0: funny how, as you were talking about that, I was thinking the Mike Leach Texas Tech years. I could probably name you twenty different offensive players that mm-hmm. starred there. I don't know if I could name one on defense.
1: No, no, uh, Charbonneau, Daniel okay. Charbonneau. Yeah, I, 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 the reason that's the only reason I say that. Is like Le- there's a there's a viral video of Leach just cussing his team out. Ironically, after they played Baylor and won, uh, he's talking about you're the mighty eleven and two Red Raiders. It's full of f bombs and stuff. And he's talking about you didn't make that play. Michael Crabtree made that play because that was last year. And he goes, you didn't make that play on defense. And then he pauses because you know he doesn't know who his defensive guys are. And he's like, uh, uh, Charbonneau, uh, Daniel Charbonneau made that play. So that's the only reason I remember Daniel Charbonneau.
0: The, the only name I can remember is Zach Thomas, who started with the yeah. Dolphins, oh, but God. he was, yeah. he was way before Mike Leach, but, um, but he was a beast. That was during Spike Dyke's era. I think that was. Yeah. Yeah. No. I think, I think that, that was, but, um, anyway, yeah, that was a, that was an interesting fire based on the the record and everything else. I'm sure all those Texas schools now with, Texas and Oklahoma bolting figure this is our chance man now we can become the the dominant being in this league and that's obviously going to be the goal for the uh remaining part of those schools in the big 12 conference all right games of the week uh, Michigan Michigan State I don't think we would have said this at the beginning of the year but it becomes must see television Michigan a four and a half point favorite you got the cocktail party in Jacksonville Georgia a 14 point favorite I don't know anybody that's Picking forward, to win that game. Uh, Auburn, Ole Miss, Ohio State, Penn State, Kentucky, Mississippi State, just to name a few.
1: Yeah, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, that's a, that's a big – all right, so first of all, hats off to Mel Tucker uh, and what he's done in Michigan State. I actually broke down their transfer portal additions this year. They signed 13 guys out of the portal, got a kid from Wake Forest as a running back transfer who – is one of the best backs in the country all of a sudden. And what's funny is Wake Forest did not even missing him. And that, that's weird right. to me, yeah. you know, weird. but he's been really good. They got some help on defense. He's really brought that team together. Uh, and I was impressed with them from the get-go. They played Northwestern to open up and, you know, yeah. did a really good job. Uh, and then you're Harbaugh, right? So you're sitting there and you're – it's probably been the most understated 7-0 start for Michigan in a while. Um and here you go, you know who, who do Michigan fans complain about that you never beat? Michigan State and Ohio State, because he struggled with Michigan State, man. And here they are, seven and zero. And 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 you know, you talk about names for jobs too, Mike. Mel Tucker's name has come up, absolutely. Uh, LSU, it's some things like that. But you know, so if you're Harbaugh, you almost have to be sitting there with like, you know, a lump in your throat going into this one because you're like, man. Uh, Here here we finally got our best team, and they're resurgent all of a sudden. And and I don't think anybody saw Michigan State getting back this quick after D'Antonio left and, and all that good stuff.
0: I, I think it's uh, intriguing on multiple levels. Uh, I do not want to be Jim Harbaugh and lose this game um, because you've got so much momentum that you desperately needed. And I know he took a pay cut and everything, but Michigan fans don't care about that. Uh, they're, they're not worried about saving $4 million on a, on a you know recycled deal. They're worried about winning games like this. And you need to win games like this. Mel Tucker and Michigan State's been a terrific story. They are proof that the transfer portal if used properly can be a huge difference maker mm-hmm. uh absolute just a, a game a game changer a season changer with the moves you if you make the right ones you can't just gobble up a bunch of players that don't fit mm-hmm. uh they got the right ones over there and east lansing but if you're michigan do not lose this game if you're jim harbaugh do not lose this game uh <laughs> that is going to be that is going to be, that's enough intrigue right there. And as you mentioned, Mel Tucker, I mean, the I can't imagine he would turn down LSU if, if it comes to that. And I can't imagine he's LSU's number one choice, but I could imagine a scenario where certain dominoes fall and he winds up being the guy. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Uh, and Mel Tucker's name is never going to be hotter than it is right now. So if you're Mel Tucker, you know, you're, you're definitely, your agent is uh He's working the phones a little bit. I think, uh, with all due respect to Spartan Nation, there, uh, there's just other jobs that uh, certainly are better situations, both financially and and chance to win bigger things. And you're probably going to have in East Lansing, um, Florida, Georgia. Here's my only take on this game: Georgia's going to win the game because of the best team in the SEC. Uh, I say that, knowing full well they could lose Alabama and Atlanta, that doesn't mean they're still not the most talented team in the SEC. Uh, what I'm amazed at, JC, is the hot seat talk with Dan Mullen. Mm. I, I I just wonder what warped, what warped version uh, of Gator Nation do you have to be to feel like you can just go out there and do a whole lot better? Like, do you do you remember the last two guys that had this job? He's gone to three New Year's Day bowl games. He did beat Georgia last year. He gave Alabama the best run they've had the last two times he's faced Nick Saban. Uh, He's one of the best play callers in America. I realize it's not all going the way that you want it to go, Florida, but (laughs) be careful what you wish for, man. If you actually ran this guy off, who are you getting? because just like most schools you don't always get whoever you want and i'm not even sure who the best fit for that job would be if you could just maybe wave, wave your magic
1: wand and say poof this is can't, who we're taking i can't think of anybody uh, I, for I, florida I, I mean a few years back you know you, you knew chip kelly was sitting out there and that's offensive guy that fits Scott he it down was down at ucf and, and he turned it down and then mullen there's a couple of things that that i think here you know number 1 Danny Kicks is not going to kiss anybody's ass. Excuse right. my language, but that's just it. He's just that's not him. going to. I call no. him Danny Kicks because he wears the shoes, you know. the, the uh-huh. He'll wear the suit with the Nikes and all that. Right. He, he's just not that kind of guy. I mean, uh, and he's not going to – you're not going to tell him who to recruit. He's going to recruit whoever the heck he feels like recruiting. He's going to evaluate well. He's not going to care if they're in the top five in recruiting. So he's not an Urban Meyer guy, right, who also would not kiss anybody's butt, but who, you know, Gator fans were beside. Them. They're the number one recruiting class in the country every year, and they're winning big. And he's also not Steve Spurrier in that, you know, his offense is great. I think it's one of the best in the SEC scheme-wise. And he, he's creative and innovative and can manufacture points, but he's not revolutionizing the league like Spurrier did either and winning divisions like Spurrier was. Uh, and, and so that kind of pro, that probably in, in this day and age wears on fan bases. The question I have about it is, is what does the AD there who worked with him at Mississippi State think? And And the return on that was as recently as last year, they were kind of, preparing him for him to go to the NFL, you know, he kind of was looking around for some NFL jobs and stuff Uh, that didn't happen, but, you know, maybe he wants to try his hand there. I mean, and and stuff like that. Uh, I would be careful what you wish for. If you're Florida, Um, I do understand that after a big start, they're kind of, kind of hit a little down, but I didn't, I didn't think this team was, Gonna be super duper uh this year. I thought about eight wins for them. I you know, I've said for years they need a new defensive coordinator, and I think I'm well, that's uh, happening. <laughs> I'm right about that, you know. Yeah, that that that's uh, because that'll be as good as done. I've been talking about that since Grantham was at Georgia, you know, like everybody, yeah. you know, why, oh, why? Yeah. Um and, and, and so and, and he's never gonna sign a top five class. He'll he'll recruit the top ten to fifteen, and they'll have plenty of talent to go win. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it worries Gator fans. You're know, how are you going to catch Alabama? Oh, look at Kirby, and he's recruiting in the top three every year, and they're really good. So how are we going to compete? And they forget that. Oh, during the '90s, Ray Goff and uh, Jim Donnan always recruited in the top five. Spurrier didn't, and who who won the game every year? I mean, yeah, I, you, you got to kind of look at that in perspective. But, but in today's day and age, people get really frustrated by that. So right. You know, I'm I'm going to say this. I think uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I also say, you know, think about this, Mike. 2014, Dan Mullen goes ten and three, loses the Orange Bowl. Had Mississippi State ranked number one in the country. Uh, follow that up with a nine and four in 2015. After that 2015 year, there were a bunch of job openings, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't get a single one, not right. a single offer. He stayed two more years and then was a third choice with an AD that had already worked for him. So the question goes – the question is why? This guy only had two losing seasons and nine seasons at Mississippi State. Took him to like eight straight bowl games, right? Um, Worst year was his first at five and seven. He took over from Sylvester Croom. I mean, that's not exactly setting the table. A guy can coach, but why – why did well, it take you, that long, right? You, you, know? you
0: answered it. You you He he doesn't care what you think. I know. And, and and he does not play – I mean, I've done a few of his games where going back to Mississippi State and last year at Florida. At Florida last year we had to do it on a Zoom. But but before that, you, you sit down with the man for a half hour. And he's very likable. He's funny. Uh, he's charming. But he doesn't give a you-know-what about – what you or anybody thinks about the way he does things? Uh, people are still talking about dressing up like Darth Vader a year ago after the the win against Missouri. Why? I mean, why? And again, why I did that was... game. Well, because it, you did do that game. I watched it. Yeah, I mean, some people think that he encouraged the brawl, and then some people. Uh, I, I think I think he gives off a vibe that that certain of our college football uh, writers all of whom seem to be of the same persuasion. Uh, he gives off a vibe like, you know, like, for example, I don't, I've never heard him talk explicitly about COVID, but my guess is he wouldn't say what they want him to say. And no. so he was stuff, talking
1: about the stadium being full. Right, you know, right, right, right. Yeah. So
0: stuff like that right away, like you, you, you just made an enemy of yourself to Pat 40 for the rest of your life. Cause that's the way some of these guys write and, and work and that's fine. That's their right to do it. Uh, but I, I, I starting to like, I, 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 now have my finger on the pulse of where a lot of these writers, where their strong opinions come from and it has nothing to do with X's and O's and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but, but Dan is just, he's just going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. And then when Dan loses a game, you know, Dan is not going to give the fan base the reaction that they want. It, you know, Dan almost is like, well, you know, we gave it a shot. Uh, heck, what do you want me to do? I, I, I don't have Daniel Trask anymore. I don't have the best tight end in college football anymore. I don't have Kadarius Toney anymore. I, it's like, this is a different team. I'm trying to win a, a an Eastern Division title against the number one team in the country with Emory Jones at a true uh, Richard freshman and quarterback and Richardson, who I think should and will be the the premier guy this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he just, just one of those deals. And you've talked about it a number of times. Gator fans in general uh, feel like, you know, it should it should all resemble Spurrier's teams of the 90s uh, or Urban's teams for that span where they won the two titles before he started going south a little bit. Uh, and, and anything short of that is, well, uh, just fire the coach, fire this guy, fire that guy. And that's just I talk about this so often. It's emblematic of a lot of fan bases out there like right now. So so Auburn's playing Ole Miss this weekend, right? And Brian Harsin's been a nice story. that done some good things. Oh, well, he inherited a pretty decent roster. It's not like Gus Malzahn was going through a tailspin on the plains. Now they lose that game at home against Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. You know, I could just, I could just see it now. Like there'll be some people on the post-game show at Auburn going, "I, I don't know. I mean, I don't. How do we lose games like this? I mean, that's just, it's the nature of the beast, right?" I mean, you you cover South Carolina. Every time the Gamecocks oh. lose, a game, that's a, that is a rebuild if there ever was one. And when they lose a game, then, then what? You got you to start doubting Shane Beamer? They've already won four games. The over-under in Vegas was three and a half based on the roster. Like He's playing with house money. Let the man coach. Let him do his thing. Maybe he has to fire a coordinator. It happens. Every yeah. new head coach out there has fired a coordinator in their first two or three years. a one that hasn't. In exact, that's an inexact science too. Is yeah, of course, it. of course. So anyway, I, I, I know I'm off on a tangent here, but I just, I, I, this is what we love about the SEC, but it's also sometimes just looking at it uh, objectively. Like I wonder where some people are at and I make the, the comment about Mark Stoops at Kentucky. And I've heard fan bases say, see, why, why couldn't we have done this? Why couldn't we have gotten Mark Stoops and a, and a coach like that to, well, the answer is you would have fired him, yeah, because because in the first four years he did nothing. In the first two years, they won two games each year. They had two more losing seasons, then finally in year five they got it going. That that type of leash, that long leash, that patience does not exist in the overwhelming majority of SEC fans uh, and fan bases out there. It just doesn't. So Kentucky is that's a unicorn situation. Mark yeah. Stoops in a lot of other spots would have been fired and it would have been a mistake, but he would have gotten fired and never had a chance to build what he's now built at Lexington. By the way, they're a two point favorite on the road at Mississippi state, a uh, kind of a under the radar, interesting game. That'll be uh, on the sec. Network.
1: should be a great game. And I'll, I'll tell you this too. In, in, they almost did fire Mark Stoops. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, all right. so they started off the year Southern miss cut them at home. This was 2016. They lost, They weren't competitive at Florida. They gave up 42 points to New Mexico State at home in a 62-42 win. Then they played Muschamp's first, first team at South Carolina, which was at the time there was no Jake Bentley. There was no Debo Samuel. Uh, those guys, Debo was hurt, and Jake took over later. So it was a, a crappy Gamecock bunch, right? And they went out there sort of as Mark Stoops always does against South Carolina, and they beat him. You know, but heading into that game, you read in the Lexington Herald-Leader and some like that, we don't know if Stoops is the answer, this is that, this is that, this is that, this is that. This is that. Um, but, you know, he turned it. Uh, shortly after that, they go and lose to Alabama in a competitive game to beat Vandy, they beat Mississippi State, uh, they beat Missouri. I mean, then they got on a roll, got to a bowl, and then all that built toward their 10-win team in 2018, and then two years of eight and five. Last year was five and six. Five SEC wins last year. That that tied the high, right? Or actually four SEC wins. I'm sorry, there were four because they, they won. they actually one of the few teams that got to play in their bowl game. Uh, and then this year, here we go again. They could be in a new year, six bowl. Um, and 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 you know they're not worried up there in Lexington if they go seven and six. You go seven and six in Baton Rouge, and. Everybody wants you're, – you're, you're going to be out. I mean, you you can, you can go seven and six at Auburn every now and again and keep your job. But at some of these jobs, seven and six, you're gone, you know. And that's unfortunate because I, I just think it's unrealistic to – you know, unless you're doing what Alabama does, uh, and maybe Georgia gets there too. I mean, Georgia did have a couple of seven-win teams under Rick. I mean – In the SEC, I mean, you're going to have years where, hey, some of those wins are losses, and and you just got to build it and keep going. And and unfortunately, you know, James Franklin, if you're listening, think about this. (laughs) Unfortunately, you know, you walk into a job like LSU, uh, your career could be over in two years, not just your coaching career at LSU, but your career with as high pressure as some of these situations are.
0: No doubt. No no doubt about that. Um, there's one other just mildly intriguing game, and that's Liberty Ole Miss because it is the return of Hugh Freeze. Um, wow. And, and if it wasn't for Lane Kiffin, they'd probably still be pining for, for Hugh Freeze and who's the job gonna, that he did there.
1: Who's going to hire him?
0: I, I don't know, but, I mean, if you're talking about Bryles, I mean, heck, if, if <sighs> Bryles gets another job that, with, all of, with all of that – that Hugh Freeze definitely is getting a job. Um, Hugh
1: Freeze. Tom Herman is still out there. Yeah, uh, as an analyst with the Bears. he's an uh, analyst with the Chicago Bears. Uh, somebody, you know, like some of these jobs that come open, Mike. If 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 you know guys from you know good power five, let's say Mark Stoops ended up with Southern Cal somehow, I don't think it would happen. But you know, would would Hugh Freeze be? Somebody Kentucky would go get would, would Tom Herman, you know? How about this? I mean, this is what my my you know I married
0: into a Kentucky family, right? So my brother about that, yeah, yeah. My my brother in law is a season ticket holder for Kentucky football for years, and he, I mean, we were having dinner, and I swear I could see the fear come into his face. He must have mentioned it seven consecutive times. Uh, I'm worried if if. uh, Franklin leaves Penn State, Penn State's going to do everything they can to get Mark Stoops.
1: I'll tell you this you know and, and maybe because after Matt rule, I don't know who the the big unicorn hire would be for them and I you know and this is the case with both both Stoops in my opinion um, Bob, if he ever wants to get back in and and Mark, watch out for that Iowa job when Kirk Ferentz hangs it up. Now, you may be saying, well, Kentucky could pay just as much as Iowa. People don't understand the Big Ten schools have money. They may not spend it like the SEC schools, but they can match or or do anything. The Stoops brothers are all Iowa graduates. They all are Hawkeyes, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, played for Hayden Fry there, and uh, there's great tradition at Iowa. They have a huge fan base, and the Big Ten West – is uh, listen, well, so who do you have to beat in the Big 10 West? You got to beat Wisconsin, huh? Minnesota, I-, I would say Nebraska, but they're not coming back, you know. Purdue, I don't <laughs> who you know. And if you're a, if you're, and I don't know that Bob Stoops will come back and take Iowa, maybe he would because that's a lower pressure job than Oklahoma or whatever. But for Mark, you know. You have to think. All right, SEC East or or whatever division Kentucky ends up in when the SEC expands, uh, or do I want to go home and build Iowa because you can build Iowa just like you build Kentucky and have a, a job basically for life? You know, well, Iowa,
0: Iowa's already built.
1: Yeah, I like, mean, it's not fair, like yeah,
0: like when he took over Kentucky, that was a that was a post Joker Phillips rebuild extraordinaire.
1: Yeah, it's Iowa. Like, It's
0: already built. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, they are what they are. And, and he, you know, there's a chance he could take it a little bit further. Uh, I think he's that good of a coach. And he's an alum. You know, people always talk can... about other things, you know, like, oh, Florida State, because he used to coach there. He'll be in Miami. Man, Iowa. And ference has been coaching. He's 66 years old. I know his son is the OC, but I don't think that guy, uh, you know. No. Uh, no, that would be my my feeling on that, would be no. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, this guy, you know, Ferentz is toward the end. You know, does he want to hang on and win 200 games because he's won 186? I don't know. But that's the job that nobody talks about with Mark Stoops that I've got my eye on if it ever opens. And, and it's a dang good job. And it's Boy. a better job. You know, Kentucky is not a, is not as bad of a football job as people think especially with how Stoops has done it recruiting Ohio they always have fans you mentioned your brother-in-law it's not like an, it's not like a North Carolina no, sometimes no, no, or no. a Duke or a or a Hoop or an Indiana like it gets loud
0: school. over there. It's, Dude, they, it's, they show they up. They love their foot. They love their football. When they
1: won, they're two and eight. Two and I've been to games there. They had sixty five thousand in the stands. You know, you know what
0: I'm going to say about that? The 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 stupidest notion that has ever been put forth by anybody <laughs> covering college athletics is that you can't possibly be a fan base. That is passionate about football and basketball. You can't possibly go to games for both sports. You can't possibly follow the recruiting for both sports. You can't possibly invest your emotions into both sports. It's the most ridiculously stupid assessment. What happens is fans gravitate toward the sport that they're good at. And most schools are not good at both. So, you want to become a basketball school? Be really good at basketball and not good in football. You want to become a football school? Be really good in football and average in basketball. You want to become a women's basketball school when no one ever cared about the sport for their entire life? Start going to Final Four and then boom, I love women's basketball. I always said it was better fundamentally than the men's game. Like that, fans just follow whatever they feel like they can invest emotionally, and their return on investment is going to be wins. Because they feel better after a win, and they're less upset after tough losses. But Kentucky fans, Florida fans, we're seeing it now in Alabama and Arkansas as we embark on SEC basketball. You think they don't love their ba- their basketball at those two places and football? Yes, you sure. Can, you can juggle both. You, some fans could even juggle three sports if they're good in
1: baseball as well. It's it's amazing this yeah, concept. I mean, I like- Texas Texas has got expectations in all three. Of course. I mean, hey, Tennessee, four, four, because they got men's and women's basketball, football, and baseball. Look, look,
0: I I did Gamecock games for for years, as you know, and those fans, if you give them a good product, they will pack it in any three of those sports, football, Mm -hmm. basketball, baseball, and they'll pack it all three in the same calendar year. For nine months, they'll find their way into a football stadium, a basketball arena, and a baseball park. If you're winning in all three, I mean that's that's the way a lot of fan bases are. That just that always just chaps me when I hear, of "Oh, I mean they're a basketball school, so therefore they can't possibly care be good at football." And that's 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 caveman thinking. It's like
1: the, the real basketball schools are the schools that are really really good at basketball, and they don't really draw in football you know what i'm saying it's like like indiana sure. i mean everybody was fired kansas. up about indiana last year kansas doesn't draw uh duke does not have that many students right. in a small stadium right, right, you know right. they're more of a basketball oriented place uh you know some of your places uh, obviously yukon can now you know <laughs> the uh, visions of the Fiesta Bowl under Randy yeah. Edsel oh, are, gone. Long gone. Long, long gone. are long gone. Yes, uh, indeed. It's obviously a basketball place, but you know, uh, even like Syracuse, probably a basketball. You'd say they're better at basketball than football. But oh, no doubt, man. No doubt. Donovan McNabb played there. Jim Brown played there. Floyd uh, Reese. Floyd, Floyd. Floyd. What's his name? Does it Reese? Floyd, Floyd Reese played there. Floyd Little played there. I mean. Yeah they have tremendous tradition at Syracuse University in football. So, I'm with you there, man. Uh, you know, uh, not everybody can be Ohio State or Texas or, you know, so in, in some instances North Carolina, Michigan, Michigan good at everything. Uh but people people should probably not pigeonhole uh you know every single fan base just because they're they're good at basketball as right. a quote unquote basketball. Sport. Uh,
0: totally agree. Totally agree. All right, we're we're running uh, low on time here. Any final thoughts before we bid farewell to this fine, intellectual and capable of loving more than one sport audience that we have?
1: This was an outstanding episode. It's you know besides watching actual football. Uh, coaching carousel and conference expansion moves are kind of like my favorite thing. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like at Thanksgiving outside of the actual Turkey provided I was a Turkey fan, but I'm not really a Turkey fan. This is like the stuffing and the Mac and cheese. So I I thoroughly enjoyed this, uh, you know, and uh, hopefully I'm looking forward to seeing the the carousel spin on more. I mean, look, Virginia tech's probably going to open. That's a, very intriguing, interesting job. Yeah. Um, you know, coming up. I, you know, what happens if Florida does open? Who do they hire? Uh, you know, there's there's just so many different types of uh things that could happen. You know, last year it was a little uneventful on the it was more eventful than we thought because of COVID and the carousel, but this year could get really crazy. There could be some massive shifts. Um, and that comes on top of more conference realignment. So uh, I'm going to enjoy this stuffing and, and these mac and cheese helpings that we consume as we go And you and I are both going to enjoy uh
0: Braves baseball. I'm, I'm here in Atlanta. Chop on. I, uh, uh, you know, I, I, in the old days when I worked for the Braves, I might've been able to get a pass for this bad boy. I could not take tickets. <laughs> wow. <are going>
1: <laughs> tickets are going for over a grand. Mike, you uh, could not get a pass, man. That's amazing. I, no way. No, no way. No. How. And, and,
0: Really, uh, for postseason baseball, the way they do it, the teams don't even control that. Major League Baseball does. Oh, really? That's where Rob Manfred and those guys, that's where they make their money. So they come into town. It's like the tax man.
1: Uh, (laughs) And the
0: the same guy who who cost Atlanta an all-star game based uh, upon a law that he probably never read two pages of is now going to have three consecutive games here, and the town is going crazy. over it i can't wait to watch that uh and then i'm leaving for uh new orleans uh saturday to call saints bucks on sunday wow. um, gonna be a lot of fun national radio on compass radio and uh brian baldinger and i will be on the call for that one the uh i was doing a little just you know chopping up the the too deep the depth chart for each side and this includes kickers and punters so it's not it's probably more than 44 players. There might have even been some third stringers on my chart, mm. but I counted on that depth chart of 50 something players. Let's say 28 guys from the SEC. Well, it's not. A surprise. I, I mean, it's not, but it, like it's not, but then it is. Like I, I'm like I know it's. Gonna, I know the SEC is going to lead the way in this category, but but that many for cry it out loud. I mean, it's not like it's not like the long snapper. It's guys like. You know, Leonard Fournette, and it's it, it's guys like Devin White of LSU. I mean, three star players for Tampa are from LSU. You know? and Mike
1: Evans is from A&M. Um, Mike Evans you from know, A&M. You got, you got a lot of guys.
0: You got a lot you, of guys. You, you got guys, Camara, Tennessee. Seems like yesterday I was calling his uh, Outback Bowl game, and I was like, why is this guy not the leading running back on his own team? Uh, he, they, they got him in the third round, and that guy's as good a back as there is in the NFL all-purpose. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just SCC guys all over the, all over the place to give you an idea, but that's what, uh, that's what our weekends are going to look like. And hopefully you folks will have a great weekend. We appreciate you checking in with us and we'll be back with you uh, next week. JC, enjoy the weekend. Have a good time. Stay warm up there in Chi-Town. All right. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks again for tuning in to JC and Morgan.